You're listening to our free podcast, The Screw Loose Juice. But this is just a taste. If you want the all-access pass to Rare Americans, then sign up for our fan club. For just $5 a month, you'll get never-seen-before music videos, guitar tutorials, articles written by the band, never-heard-before song demos, and hey, maybe even a little life advice that we've picked up along the way. Your 5 bucks goes a long way in helping us make more music and videos to further reach people just like you all around the world. The link to sign up is on our website, rareamericans.com, and on our Instagram page, at rareamericans. Thanks so much for your support. Screw those Oof. Hello. All right. We're, uh, we're back for a new podcast edition. We're sitting in a hotel room right now in Munich, and we're currently uh, recording this on three individual iPhones, uh, a band who's all apparently tech-savvy and things. Um, we brought the whole interface, and but we only have one microphone, so we spent the first 15 minutes here trying to figure out if we should pass around one microphone and interrupt our fluid conversation, or if we should use three individual iPhones and use some AI-powered enhanced tools make it sound better it is funny that we tour with what 20 microphones and we only have yeah. one to record this podcast no we have many microphones we only have one cable because the <laughs> venues provide all the cables right so we don't have uh <laughs> a lot of cables. we are uh we're relying on good old ai to help us out here the so. future is now yeah so anyway we are about halfway through our european tour so we felt like it would be a good topic uh, to discuss, and uh, yeah, here we are in Munich tonight. We got a good good show in Germany. I think we got over three hundred sold, so it should be a pretty fun show. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting tour. It started out very uh, on uh, not a great notes. Um, you know, Lubo is obviously not here, and uh, people have asked at the shows and. Uh, it started uh, in Bratislava about 30 minutes before we went on stage. We got an unfortunate call that uh, his wife um, had like a, a real emergency um, and had to be rushed to the hospital. So it was a it was a pretty serious situation. And so we caught Lubo the first and last flight out of the city and uh, had to get him home. So um, yeah, we had to figure out really on the fly to play as a trio. So, uh, but anyway, good news, kind of full circle. It was. It was looking pretty hairy for a couple of weeks, but she took uh, a real turn in the last week, and it seems like she's finally kind of out of the woods, and hopefully we'll be home in the next week. So um, we're really thankful about that. But yeah, interesting start to the tour for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think that uh, at least for me, um, it was also kind of a little bit eye opening. I guess not as much as for Lubo, but to remind myself that don't worry about stupid little things and uh, don't stress about stuff like that's really you can't change or that's not important uh when um you know in the grand scheme in the yeah. grand scheme it's um it's not worth it you know we're getting older we're not getting younger so we gotta take care of ourselves it also just makes me realize how fragile life is like at any point in time, it's just, you know, anything literally can happen. It doesn't matter how old you are. And, you know, it's one of those things like just do anything that you want to do in the world. Just do it now. Like, what is the point of waiting and, and planning around for things? It's like, it's just, I don't know if you, if you want to have a kid, have a kid, you want to get a dog, get a dog. You want to go travel somewhere, go travel somewhere. Like, you know, you want to you wanna follow your passion and pursue something, do anything you possibly can to do that. It's just really not worth waiting around. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Absolutely. How have we been doing as a trio on stage? In that regard, I would say actually very well. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that the shows have suffered really at all, in my opinion. I think that, um, you know, we've, it's just it's it's sure a little bit different like first couple of shows took a big getting, bit of getting used to especially um the bigger stages i think on the smaller stages like at the 250 cap level I, I just feel like we've played so many of those shows now that i feel so confident in those stages whether there was five of us three of us one of us you know it's like just feel so comfy in those situations so um you know in that regard it's almost like everybody has a little bit more room even um well i think at the 800 cap level or whatever when the stages are much bigger 
you know, the, I remember Warsaw, I think, was the first one. It was a much bigger stage. It was a really tall stage, too. So I mm-hmm. find those are really different because when everybody can see literally from your feet to your head, they can see every movement of yours versus the shows where people are right on top of you and you can only see like your, you know, your mid to your head kind of thing. You can't, you can't analyze all your movements. So I found Warsaw was the first one where it's like, okay, we got a lot of stage to cover here. You got to really move around a lot. This is the thing that um, we, this show was built for four people. Uh, the lights are <laughs> set in a way that they're centered and James is supposed to be center and me on the left side on the right side. <laughs> now, if we would build the show from scratch for three people, I think it would be dope, but I think I still miss the element of of a guitar player, of course, Miss Lubo as a human, but also element of a guitar player on that side. Well, so. I don't do much different. I, yeah. I'm still in the same spot. But maybe uh, it could be, you could, we could be set up in like a creative way, like drums could be set up. Uh, sure. This is very standard way you set up now, but there's, there's, yeah, of course. Most trios do, though, did you go as like a triangle, right? Like if you look at like Blink 182 or Red Hot Chili Peppers or whatever, they, you know, they do the power triangle, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But you also have like you also have uh, some setups where the drums are kind of on the left, uh, in front. Yeah, I, yeah, you can do that from too. the side. That's also cool. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's if if we continue as a trio, uh, we maybe we can explore those options. <laughs> we shall have to uh, have to see what happens. But yeah, it was really really weird and and tough way to start the tour because i think every day we were all just like waiting for updates to see what was happening and that put like a real damper on things um yeah you don't feel like rocking out yeah. quite as much when so i remember the worst one when we got like a real tough update i think it was maybe in uh was that berlin or uh, maybe it was prague no we had that nice it was a pretty nice venue uh, I think it was brilliant. Uh, you remember it wasn't. Yeah, nice. Prague was not. And I was so unhappy that day. It was like, I also got like, I was so sick of getting sick. Like, but for some reason, it's like, I don't know, humans after this whole COVID thing, which like still our immune systems, like just aren't working well. Like, I don't know. I got sick two, three times in the last four months back in Vancouver. And then I finally got better. And then literally like the day after we landed, I got sick again and it was cold and I remember being in Prague at that venue that is not passing code in Canada or the USA. <laughs> like this building, it was a cool, actually, like the layout of it was really cool for the show. It had the balcony. Um, so very European. Like, there was disco all over the floor. Yeah. There was cigarette smoke that had, you know, been stuck in the walls for feel like 50 years. It was like you just couldn't, everybody also, the venue staff was smoking in there. It's like, you just could yeah. not breathe. I thought the building was going to fall down. It, it is funny for me as a European because I grew up in places like that pretty much. <laughs> uh, smoking cigarettes, drinking beer, smelling piss or whatever. So obviously it's not pleasant, but I'm kind of like, well, whatever, used to it. But these guys come from Vancouver, the most clean city on the planet. Maybe, yeah. I've <laughs> been they're, lot they're just of, like, uh, 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 it's it's tough for them to see. Such the, a, the place wasn't bad once. once the fans showed up and then they like lit incense everywhere and then they and like and it was dark and you couldn't actually see the venue very well it actually like it was a good show it was a really good show it was really fun yeah the layout of the venue was like maybe one of the best ones but yeah it was it was a tough one all those things compounded with lubo being sick and freezing outside that day yeah it was horrible and you're just like everything about it i had a really really tough couple weeks with this tour it was like for me it was the it was a battle it's like i have not felt this way at any tour up until this point i've i felt very like excited i felt very like look forward to the next show and the first first couple of weeks of this tour was really really challenging interesting why why do you think that is um i don't know i think maybe a couple of reasons one i think that we're playing the same show for like it seems like such a long time now Mm-hmm. So I find like we're just repeating the same day every day, almost kind of thing. That for context, this is the same show we played during the U.S. tour, right? second U.S. tour, second U.S. Yeah, tour. with a couple of tweaks, a couple, a couple little tweaks, tweaks, but for the most part, the same show. Um, so I think that is just like you know when you've done the same thing now fifty times or something like that, it's like you know it's lost its maybe charm a little. Um, I also think that we've spent now like an entire year, pretty much like playing shows and even when we were back it was very quick and then you know 
I, I remember even after the second U.S. tour, it was like, oh my God, we have a we had a three and a half month break or something now, you know, uh, of not playing shows. But really, that goes so quickly because you're immediately almost back in the rehearsal room uh, and spending half your day doing that. Um, and we were behind uh, probably on rehearsing. I thought could have rehearsed earlier. Maybe, yeah. But I think we we knew the show so well, so we you know. I felt like after two rehearsals, we could easily go play a show. Um, But uh, yeah, so I think all of those things kind of compounding and the travel and and whatnot and and being sick. And um, I just think it lost its novelty a little bit to me. Yeah, I think we've learned how much work touring is. It's like for a band, touring is when they're on tour, that's what they do, you know? And it's like there's not... You can't do all the things that you were doing before when you were just releasing music and at back at home and you have luxury of time. This is, it's a full-time thing, like more than that. It's yeah. all hours of the day. But I think it's also um, our nine, we, we're going to play at the end of the store, it's going to be 90 shows in a span of a year, pretty much, or 13 months. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 90 shows... It's it's. I know some bands probably do even 150 shows a year. Probably do. You could do 300 in some bands. I bet that would be insane. Yeah, but um, sorry, what was my? I don't know what was. It's my, like it's like know. the volume 90 shows in a year. It's it's a yeah. lot. It's a lot of shows. Plus Europe. Last time we were here was beautiful weather, sunny all the time. We're wearing <laughs> yeah. shorts now. It's a terrible weather. Uh, we'll go into same cities. Um. I guess it's a little bit less exciting, but I think for me personally, I still, still enjoy the stage a lot, and even the totally. I would the, say the shows are my favorite part. The it's, shows are awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the waiting around for like that's the thing that's kind of killing me is like mm-hmm. when you're like literally like okay, I got two and a half hours now. It's like almost not enough time to like okay, I'm gonna sit down and get into something. Okay, well I gotta find a place to sit. Where can I go? Okay, I got a Google Maps, uh, <laughs> a cafe. Okay, is it open? Is the room in the cafe? Is there? Uh, okay, la, 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 la. and then you know you're kind of like you don't ever have quite enough time to really dive into something, or you're just trying to rest or whatever. Um, and then you got a sound check, and I, I find like my general grumpiness goes away as soon as it's like okay, the sh- the drum line is beginning. And then it's like, okay, it's fun. You see you see the crowd. And, mm-hmm. you know, I even said this at the last show. I was like, there's the odd show where, you know, we have to win the audience over. And I felt like at the last show, I my general mood was not very good. And then as soon as we got out there, just the people and the energy, you know, it was like, okay, that brought me back to life. And it was super fun. I, I really enjoyed the show. Yeah, the shows are the highlight. For sure. For yeah. sure. They keep you going. And it's so awesome that like in every one of these cities that, you know, the people showing up know all the words again, they stick around, they buy merch, they want to take pictures. It's like, I think we are super, super fortunate to, you know, have a fan base of people who we're, you know, undoubtedly one of their favorite bands. It's it's not like mm-hmm. they know one song. It's like they've they've spent a lot of time listening to Rare Americans and they're equally as excited to be at the show as we are to be playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what about, uh, I think our fans might want to know about the rock lifestyle of a rock band. <laughs> you, would, you would want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are, we are the epitome we have, of rock. We, have, rock. Uh, we do have a... Um, very interesting approach to rock lifestyle. <laughs> well, okay. First off, I I don't think what Jan is talking about is the fact that I go to bed at is the second I can get back to the hotel after the show. So it's usually like around midnight. I go to I'll bed. You. James goes to bed. Uh, no, I he, get he food. Gets, he goes out to eat. I get uh, food. I get a kebab pretty much in every city after the show. <laughs> Sean joins. Sean, our sound tech, he joins me to as uh, in the sleep not in sleeping with me but no. we go to sleep oh. uh eric <laughs> eric uh also goes to sleep our manager and michelle oh michelle eats with you you get you get i kind of force her if it was up to her she'd probably just go to bed but i don't like to eat that much before the show because i feel like i just feel so full up there um so i like to usually just eat nibble before the show and then eat like after the show um, and but so I dragged Michelle with me. There is one rock star in this band, and that would be John <laughs> Jongo the legend. Yeah. Uh, even even though I think in in the rock star scheme, I would be just like the 
the most boring rock star who drinks three beers <laughs> and goes to bed compared to us, two a.m. or something. Uh, but compared to yeah, I'm I'm the rebel and the I'm the bad guy here. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, temp jungle with a good time and he's there. I didn't actually on this tour, as I said, only maybe a little bit Paris and. I talked to Stano long for a long time, but I didn't really go anywhere. I well, it's, it's it's tough when like the next day we've had a lot of lobby calls that are like seven thirty a.m. or we've had a few six a.m. So once if you finish a show and you don't get back till midnight one o'clock, you're falling asleep. I also find after shows you have like quite a bit of adrenaline. It's hard to fall asleep mm-hmm. like immediately. You got to go and have a shower and. Um, so, you know, by the time you actually sleep, it's probably one in the morning. And if you're up at seven or something, it's like, you know, even that is not quite enough sleep, let alone, you know, if you stay out till two or three, it's like, you are going to get run down extremely quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this tour is also different because, you know, we're doing kind of planes, trains and automobiles, which is very different than the U S tour where you have a bus and, you know, you can go kind of take a nap anytime you want your bag is always in the same place you're you know you're sleeping immediately after the show right on the bus you know this one is kind of like pick your adventure really you know everybody can kind of do whatever they want whether it's walking around for three hours in the day or you want to take that time to sleep or after the show you want to go to a bar or you want to go back to your hotel it's like everybody kind of has their totally their own authority to kind of like live the adventure however they want to within the constraints of your time yeah your lobby calls and not being late for those yeah, yeah our manager eric is very good at letting us know when the lobby call is yeah so, about we've, been, we've been very punctual i yeah. would say we've been pretty solid in that regard yeah we're pretty good except for Django. he uh oh yeah first he, he missed something didn't, didn't oh, he miss something yeah no yeah i didn't miss some but there was biluba still yeah it was, yeah that was Lula, very early, was, early on that was that was jet like that was the rehearsal there was right? definitely yeah. not party reason <laughs> Yeah, that was jet lag. We had landed in Austria, and we were supposed to rehearse that day at, what, 4 p.m.? No. Yeah. Or 12. We were supposed to be at the rehearsal space at 12. Leaving for the a thing at 12. Or so we had to call and... Yeah, or leaving at 12. And, yeah. and we were going to go eat. You and I went to eat, and I put into the group here. We went to this cool Vietnamese restaurant. So I was like, oh, we can all eat at 11.30 or whatever, eat together, and then we'll we'll all catch the Uber and go there and... Duran and I are like arriving at the restaurant and we're like, oh, we haven't really heard from the other two. I wonder if they're joining us for lunch or if they're doing their own thing. <laughs> oh, we're not really getting a lot of texts. Hmm, doesn't seem like they've read these text messages. <laughs> okay. I I vouched for Django. I was like, Django and Luba, I was like, these guys got it. They'll show up on time. They're not going to start this one off. <laughs> no, no. We, we eat our delicious meal and then we're like, oh, okay, maybe we should just walk back and maybe they'll meet us in the lobby. No one's in the lobby. Oh, shit. Okay. Do we know their rooms? Okay. We have no idea their room number. We asked the hotel. Nope. We're not allowed to give out room numbers. Oh, shit. Okay. Can we call their room? Nope. The rooms don't have phones. Oh, my <laughs> God. And then finally, I don't know how, so maybe Eric had the room number, and it's now like 1245 or something, and I come knocking on the door, and pretty loudly, I put the video camera on, and sure enough, who comes out in their little tidy whiteies? <laughs> <laughs> Boa Django just passed out. Well, no, so, so no, the, now my side of the story was uh, <laughs> like I I went to eat <clears throat> some fried cheese in Vienna. It was very delicious. And I don't know, I went, I tried to stay awake, but I had to sleep at like 2 p.m. I, I took a nap for two hours or something. And then um, me and Lubo, we... I think we tried to stay. What did we do? Like, didn't we all go out somewhere? We went to a games bar. Oh, we went to the games bar. Yeah, we went to, we played Jenga and everything. So kind of powered through. And around midnight, we both fell asleep. Made a little bit. 2.30, both of us up. And like, uh, it, I couldn't sleep until 5 or 5. Oh, that's the worst. So, so, you so guys, you when guys... I fall asleep, because he, he closed the blinds, uh, if, if, the, if the light was in, I would definitely not sleep until twelve forty six, but um, it's, it was out. Because you guys didn't listen to me. I gave everyone the playbook for when we landed. It was first off, do some exercise, do ten minutes of exercise, whatever you do, eat when you're hungry, and don't take a nap. And you, I don't know if you did any of those. Things. Me, me, and Misha thought we had a good I, plan. And our plan was very different. We found the first weed shop we possibly could find in Vienna. We found some like weed gummies. 
And then we walked around for like 25,000 steps or whatever in, and in Vienna. But and, you took a nap first. Well, as soon as we got there, because yeah. we were able to check in good old Ibis hotels, we were able to check in like super early. Mm-hmm. So we had like an hour and a half nap at like 11 or something. So it was only like 1230 or one. And then we got some weed gummies and we just walked around all day, had a nice dinner. And then come like 11, 30, 12, I think our bodies were so tired. We slept through the whole night. It was fine. That's yeah. You got to work. You got to stay up. What was your guys' favorite show so far? I think Paris was really, again, uh, as last year, again, as last year, Paris was really, it's probably. It was a, it was a really good show. There is a lot of, a lot of fans there and they were very loud. Yeah, right. they were good. Yeah, do it. Our opening band crushed it, so I think they set us up really well. That was a good show. My favorite was probably Poland. That was the most, I think, surprising. Yeah, me too. I think that was my favorite. Like, show. how can it still blows my mind that I, I I know nothing about Poland. I didn't know anybody in Poland knew about us, and you show up there, and then there's like 400 people. That yeah, was like our top one of our top selling shows. Yeah, that, yeah, I would say that was my favorite too. That was also because. It was a big stage, first big stage, playing just three of us. The venue was sick. The, the green room was sick. Yeah, really? That was nice. But the, it was a little bit complicated to we get also, to the stage. Yeah, also, we had a huge, sweet-ass, like, movie theater screen yeah, behind us. Yeah, big screen. That was awesome. Um, yeah, that show was really, really fun. So that was a surprising show. I think we've been surprised by all the shows because we had our, we get our ticket sales sent to us, like, every every week. And some shows were like, ah, I don't know if this is going to be mostly the German shows. Uh, fans in Germany here, you guys need to step up. You need to you need to spread the word a little bit. Uh, well, I mean, there there could be many reasons for that, but I think each show there turned out to be like it was great. It turned out to be more people than we expected, and the the fans are awesome. And yeah, yeah. So they've, I think, when you look at the ticket sales all the time. It can be, it can get in your head and you think like, this is not, not going to be a good show. Uh, I think switching the venue is very, very, very helpful in, uh, in Cologne. In Cologne, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I, that Cologne, show, Cologne was great. That show actually felt like awesome. It felt packed. But I think if we would have played that show in, in or the original 800 cap venue, it would have been much tougher. Yeah. So it's yeah. such a difference. Like if you have, um, you know, you have 200 kids, but it's in a 250 or 300 cap room. It feels all the energy, people, you know, energy kind of breeds energy. But if you have a room like Berlin, which was like five or 600 and there was maybe 250 and it's like half full, to me, that show had like the least amount of energy thus far because people just have so much more space. It's just, it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably Berlin was uh, still good. Still, I, I kind of like tried to be thankful for any show because... Uh, most of my life, pre-Rare Americans, I played for three friends or first yeah. five yeah, yeah, yeah. people who are talking about something else and drinking beer. So uh, it's, it's like there's, awesome. there's levels. You know? I think the festivals are a little weird, but even that I appreciate. It's always tough, you know, to play for non-fans and try pass to pop. That was, yeah, pass pop was weird because that you know, I well I I was just wrong. Like because the band who played before us. It was cool. I can't yeah. remember their name, but they were a Dutch band. And the tent that we played in or whatever was about 2,000 people, and it was packed. Even the band that we saw earlier, that like bluegrass kind of band, it was mm-hmm. packed in there. So I was like, okay, this festival has 30,000 people here today or whatever. Like Just by default, it's just going to be packed. And I think that people, even if they haven't heard of us, they're gonna we're going to win them over. They're going to enjoy the show. Um, and so after the band finished, the tent totally cleared. And I was like, okay, well, maybe they just, you know, come back in half an hour. And then, and then fuck, I'm like two minutes before I go on stage, there's like six people in there or something. And I see like two rare Americans friends at the very front of the stage. That was awesome. Shout out to those guys. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, I hope, Kate, people are going to come in really quickly here. And then they didn't. And so we kind of went on stage and there was like, it was almost dead empty. And then, you know, as the set progressed, there probably ended up being five, 600 people in there. But you know, in a 2000 cap room or something. It was, and at that point in time, we played it like 8.30 and people were, yeah, it was the third the Dishtad was performing in it. Yeah, Dishtad was Yeah, we, which is a very popular local band. And uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess the spot wasn't the best spot, even if you think like 8.30 is a good spot. But 
Mm-hmm. I could not believe how it was how drunk people were at the the festival. <laughs> it was yeah. That was it. Yeah, I mean, there, there it was. It was fun. What what is the for context? What's the difference between our shows, our headline shows, versus like a festival show? What's the difference? Well, I guess the set length vary between you know uh, our headline we know is the same every night, and those could be forty minutes or an hour. Um, and I would say the biggest difference is we don't have our own fans there. Yeah, so. that yeah, that's key, right? So. When you do the headline shows, it's it's really cool. But then when you do a festival, it's like it's the exact opposite. You have to it's like a talent over. show. Yeah, you have to win over everybody because nobody knows who you are. Yeah, until we get actual fans. It's like, also the 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 quickness of the setup is like we we when we go to a venue, we just slowly load it out, then sit around, then you know set up the whole show. This thing happens in half an hour. Very quick. Yeah, you, you have to get it in. Really there's so many people working around. They just Use the riser, no tweaks. Yeah, you just yeah, gotta kind of set up and joke. Boom, boom, you go. And um, uh, but Chompy did a really good job on those festivals. Yeah, he's he's been great. Yeah. You're listening to our free podcast, The Screw Loose Juice. But this is just a taste. If you want the all access pass to Rare Americans, then sign up for our fan club. For just five dollars a month, you'll get never seen before music videos, guitar tutorials, articles written by the band, never heard before song demos, and hey, maybe even a little life advice that we've picked up along the way. Your five bucks goes a long way in helping us make more music and videos to further reach people just like you all around the world. The link to sign up is on our website, rareamericans.com, and on our Instagram page at rareamericans. Thanks so much for your support. Does that does this make you want to play festivals less and more headline shows? Um, I definitely like headline shows better, but um, one thing I will say is festivals when you know the stars align, I guess, like for example, rock for people last year, like I think everything worked out very well. We had a a good set time. We were on the second main stage and it was open air. So we were on the main stage, our main stage, sorry, it was open air. So even if people, you know, they could just maybe hear the music from 200 meters away when they're getting food or something. They're like, Oh, this is cool. Let me go walk over and check that out. And now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you have 2000 people watching you. Um, we made, I think, so many fans from that. Like, that was one thing that the Prague show, so many people after the show were like, oh, we heard you guys from Rock the People, and we love you guys so much now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at this festival, when it's like an enclosed tent, you know, if people don't know your name on the schedule up against 15 other stages or whatever, the odds or likelihood of them walking out of their way to come into this stage are very low. Um, so it it was just... Plus, if, if everybody's drunk, they're probably not going to remember. Well, we play like four, 3, 4 p.m. or something on um, yeah. Rock for People, and uh, people clearly were just like just starting their day. And so, like, oh, this is cool. The billing when you play is very important, and like what, what stage you're on. And who you're up against, I guess, yeah. is also an important one. But I mean, that happens at every single festival. Like even Coachella this weekend, I see all the different publications putting out like go see this artist or this artist or this person's up against this person because mm-hmm. there's so many stages and, you know, there's so many artists. So, you know, you're you're definitely going to have to pick and choose between two artists that you like. Um, but yeah, so I think the festivals, they can be hugely advantageous to reach a whole bunch of new people who would, never would have heard of you before. But again, things are totally out of your control and you kind of have to like get a little lucky. But the, well. the vessels are nice for a couple of reasons. One, the food is way better. You, yeah, get, good. you get treated really well, which is awesome. And uh, it pays more. Yeah. yeah. So it, it ends up paying but, for a lot. But yes and no, because you don't sell merch. So mm, if yeah. you look at like the overall gross that you make from a show is actually probably less because you don't, you know, you don't get to sell to your fan base. But I think once mm. it becomes much, you're a very desired act at a festival. Yes, they pay exorbitantly well. Um, but at our level right now, the total that we walk away from from a festival is not the same as our own shows because there's no merch. We're not there yet. We're not the big name on no. the festival, the big letters at no. the top. <clears throat> yeah, you need it. We, we did make the poster on this one. Nice. Is, and the t-shirt. And yeah, that's nice. pretty, that's a big accomplishment. Yeah, taking, taking steps. Um, so yeah, we'll see. And now we're kind of in the 
second half uh, of the tour. So I was saying this to Michelle the other day. I felt like it's like you're on a run or something, and it's like the first five minutes when you're getting into the run, and you're like, oh, God damn it, this feels hard. Oh, my God. Shit, I can't make it. I can't do the whole run. I have to stop. I have to quit. And then you get to like, okay, I'm three or four kilometers into the run now. You felt like, okay, I've already won. Even if I stop now, I've already won this thing. Yeah. I did what I needed to do. My body feels good. Okay, I can go the extra, you know, three, four K and make it back home. I feel like, you know, me personally, I feel that way now. For me, once, once we hit UK, that'll be, that'll be yeah. that feeling for me. Yeah. Still got a little bit to power through, but I know I've been pretty... I've, I've like emotionally I felt pretty even on this one nice so good for you man I felt like I've been like that for all the other tours and this one has just been like I don't know it has been well you're more you're more affected too but I think by what goes on like like ticket counts or how many people are there I think you take it a little more personally than than I do maybe uh, so for me I'm just I'll just play you know, I wish that I, would, I wish that every show was sold out all the time. That'd be that'd be unreal. I think we'd all be super energized if that was the case. Yeah, I noticed myself like the any show that we get like three, four hundred people or five hundred people, like my intensity level is so much higher. Like just on the day of the show, on the lead up to the show, um, it just I'm just like okay, it's playoffs here. Like I'm, I'm you know, I mean, it's almost easy to be energetic when you're 500 yeah but yeah. you don't have to really work for that but i think when you have like an audience that's a little bit on the quiet side and less mm-hmm. less uh energetic then you it's 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 it's, it's harder work to to bring the energy i will say though, win them over. it doesn't always make for a better show though if your body is like okay i'm ready i'm rocking let's go let's go let's go it's like i've also had a couple of shows where I've before the show I've been generally kind of like lower energy I've just been a little bit tired or whatever and I would say like not as pumped up to go out there and I feel zero pressure or whatever I don't know anybody in some of these cities like Cologne was a good example and then you get on stage and there's almost like that freedom of like not that I don't care of course I care I'm always doing my absolute best but you know there's no pressure whatsoever and there's a freedom in that that sometimes that allows to yeah. come through that you're you're just a little bit more you know you don't have any weight on your shoulders and i think that can often lead to good performance funnier jokes better banter you're just more playful it's like you're you're playing with house money or something at that point mm-hmm. yeah a lot rides on especially you as i guess most yeah. of the show is you <laughs> i guess yeah. like as much as i can't do very much right i'm just behind the drums and if people look at me and get something out of it, like great, but I'm kind of stuck there. So, yeah, yeah, obviously it's a, it's hard to play drums moving around. No, it's next. No next, one's made that mention. <laughs> next yeah, step is far. the uh, remote controlled drum riser moves <laughs> around the stage. What do you guys uh, got planned for the summer once we're once we're back? What are you looking forward to? I know well, I have no plans. I don't know. N- not really. I was gonna. I was gonna. We were talking with Mima, uh, my my partner, that we would go to Mexico for like ten days, and you know, it was funny because normally uh, we want to go, you know, rent a car, do the adventure, just sleep in Airbnb or camping, or even like, you know, not going to resort and all inclusive. But we were like that now we're just we're not cooking we're <laughs> yeah we're not doing anything we're just laying on the beach <laughs> yeah for 10 days and uh, the kids can play around and uh we come back that's what we need. changes when you like kids totally yeah <laughs> yeah totally just relax what are you doing uh, i don't know i'm i'm very much looking forward to uh i want to camp a couple times really like camp base yeah, yeah well, um, camping. i think that we're probably going to get a puppy another puppy which i um, Part of me is like, this is the dumbest decision of all time. And <laughs> the other decision is kind of like, look, life is fragile. Well, you know. It, what it, is it, motivating this puppy, this uh, extra puppy? Well, there's two things. One, I think for future tours, um, I would be surprised if Michelle would continue to tour with us in the future. Oh. Um, Michelle is our merch manager. Yeah. Um, so I'd be surprised uh, if she would tour with us much longer and... 
Um, for the U.S. tours, I, I really like taking Alfie. I, I find it's really helpful for me. It gives me something to do. I, I enjoy kind of having her around. That's that's my dog. Uh, and she will not be without a dog at home. There's zero chance. So um, <laughs> we're like, this is a this is a window where, you know, we get, we're not going to tour now for a little while. You're, you know, nobody wants to have a four-month-old dog or something that you have to res- be responsible for on your own. So we're like, maybe this is like a year where it's a window where... I think that's that's fair. Like, I noticed my fiance is doing this Rover thing yeah. where, I, if you know or don't know, it's like a Uber, but for watching your dogs, right? So she is watching other people's dogs. Right? Or Airbnb for Yeah, dogs. Airbnb for dogs. Yeah. And she's watching other people's dogs uh, while I'm away, and it's like her mood. It, it's like everything is so much better. She feels like she has a lot more. You have a companion. Uh, yeah, a companion. She's not like alone. While when we're on the road, we are definitely not alone. So yeah, it's yeah, like never it, alone. Mentally, it's a lot different for people on the road than people at home because they it's just their day to day is gone. You know, so yeah. um, I can see. Yeah, having an animal for Michelle would be good. Yeah, well, she could. Well, she could look over uh, Otis, right? Uh, this is not the same. It's their cats are just like so independent; they just do whatever they want. Dogs are like they don't want to leave your side. They're just, and you also have to like you have to every day give them exercise. You have to you have to give them so much more than a cat that your responsibility is so much higher. And once you have that responsibility with an animal, you I think you kind of tend to love it. You like like I would never want to be without a dog till the day I die. I don't think. Um, and so I could, I could see for her, she's kind of the same. So if she was at home and we're gone for a month or a month and a half or whatever, um, she'll definitely want to have like a companion there. So anyway, that's kind of a motivating factor. And I don't know, I, I like dogs so much that I think having two of them and them being little buddies and whatever, I think and it's going to be a golden retriever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. My favorite dog. Yeah. Golden retriever. Has, so. has this, so now that we're back in Europe, this is the second time. And lots of us have traveled to Europe before. Jan used to literally live there. Born and raised. Do you do you find uh, is it more or less exciting, like walking around the cities and seeing the churches and stuff? How do you guys feel about it? Um, I'm. Um, it's always going to be always hundred percent going to be more exciting to be in Europe than compared to US. Uh, not that I didn't enjoy some of the US cities, but. Mainly because it feels like home. It feels like okay, this is this. You know, looking at these buildings, looking at these streets, it reminds me. Okay, this is this is where I come from. So it's uh, it's really cool. And plus, it's I don't know. The food is more interesting. Uh, the beer is. <laughs> it's the lager tastes better. I don't it's, know, it's yeah, the food. The food is cool. I agree. I, it just it just looks cooler. Like. A, I don't know, like U.S. cities are cool too, and definitely, but I feel like this this is more up my alley. Yeah. More busy, more, you know, people, more alive. We also played in your hometown, which is super cool. I found that like certain cities have like really given me life, like Amsterdam. I really love Amsterdam. Very cool. So Very cool. City. Walking around and, you know, I really enjoyed that. Prague was another city that I felt like really kind of gave me some life. But these were two new cities, right, that we didn't go into on our last tour. Yeah, true. Um, and then some, it's also dependent, like Frankfurt, we were literally, yeah. like, we stayed up two blocks from the venue, which was in, like, a car dealership, <laughs> auto industrial area where I was like, well, we could be in Frankfurt or we could be Edmonton. in <laughs> wherever. Like, it doesn't matter. It makes no difference. But the one thing I'm, like, really trying to fight on this tour is like um i feel like i don't want to take these cities like for granted mm-hmm. uh, but i found myself definitely doing that that this time around it just doesn't feel as like special to me like i remember last year when we arrived in europe even though we were tired we were coming off recording the first tour is like you landed in europe and everybody was like it was Sean's first time coming here. Ginger was with us on that tour. It was her first time coming to Europe. So almost feeling that magic of what Europe can kind of have. I haven't really felt that for the majority of these cities. And I don't know if that's just because it's been my general, like, just kind of battle with the first half of this tour or or because we were literally here, whatever, nine months ago. And, like, I love Vienna is a great city. But if I don't go there for 10 more years of my life, I'm totally <laughs> fine with that. I feel like I walked around that city center a lot so many times that there's not a corner street that I didn't really, you know, hit. Um, so I'm not like, 
you know, I wish I didn't like, I wish I, it felt yeah. as, as special, but I think it's just natural. Um, you know what? I, it, this also happens though. I remember when I was like 19 or 20, I went backpacking and we were in Amsterdam. We stayed at this hostel called the flying pig. And it was like the best four days of my life or something. Like <laughs> I just loved it. It felt so magical. We played pool. We met people. It was like, you know, at that time it was like, well, Amsterdam, you can buy weed and smoke it here. You can smoke it in the hostel. It was like just the greatest feeling ever. And then whatever we had to leave because we had an agenda and we went to the next city and the next city. And then my cousin and I, who I was traveling with, were like, oh, let's not go to this city. Let's fly back to Amsterdam. Let's go back to that hostel again. We're like, okay, let's do it. And then we go, we check back in and it didn't have the same. You're trying to relive the same experience that you already had and you can't really do that. You'll never be able to recreate that magic again mm-hmm. um and i find that that is a that is a thing you have to find new magic somewhere else or whatever you can't try to relive the same experience and and hope it 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 is the same you know and that's that's uh Jan will tell you that's the way we uh, evolved our brains are designed to always be yeah seeking out new experiences and new stuff because the challenges <laughs> it's just the way we we grow so i think i think also though this is a you can really see a year of touring pretty relatively intensely i would say um there's a i don't know if we could do this for another straight year i think i mean we could but like right now yeah like we just chose to do another year of touring right now i think we probably figure out how to get used to it but i think there's like a limit to you just like your energy and you need to restore and you need to like have some serious time off and yeah. to move into other things. For me, it's also like, um, <clears throat> you know, there's so many elements of, I guess, what we do that for me, it's like, we sure, we could go and do that again. We could go play for 10, 15, 20,000 more people in a whole bunch of cities that we've never been to. Um, but my brain would have such a difficult time because I'd be like, okay, well, yes, we can do that, but we're almost neglecting this whole other part of what we do. And that's putting new music and new things out into the world and doing that in a really creative, fun way for people, you know, to come on to the journey and, and, and enjoy that part of it. Cause even a concert, it's like, great, you know, these kids come and they get to have a great night with us, but that's one night out of a whole year. It's like, you put out a great record, they could enjoy that for every single day for the next year. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like, you know, I would, I would almost feel bad that we're not spending enough time on putting these things out into the world when, especially us, like we have so many great projects that are done pretty much, um, you know, that I feel like it's, it's now the time that these things need to come out into the world and we need to put all of our time, energy and attention into that. Well, speaking of that, uh, we have another two weeks on this tour. Yeah, another two weeks on this tour, and then what are the future plans for Rare Americans? Without giving away too much, yeah, um, yeah, this is going to be probably the the biggest year that we've had thus far. Um, this will probably be dropping in maybe three or four weeks. So yeah, yeah, a couple. Yeah, we'll be done the tour by the time this is within released. a couple. Yeah, within a couple of months, this project will be out. So. We are entering into a new space, I would say, which is more like a multimedia type of thing, not just as a, a you know an alternative band. It's like I think we've now you know with animation, we've really kind of upped the game of the projects that we're trying to tackle and doing longer form content and more almost like films meet music. Um, so I think the first one that we have coming is going to be super exciting, and um, you know I think. For me, it's just the start. That was kind of the test um, to to try this format, and we'll see how people like it. But you know, even the follow up projects that we have in development right now, I think even those ones are even like the more of a holy shit. This is crazy. I've never seen a band try to do this before, and I think that's super exciting. Um, also, because you know, the other thing is like, how the hell do you stand out in today's music industry? It's like you put on Instagram and it's like, 
okay, Post Malone puts out a song and I don't even barely makes my feed. And he's one of the biggest artists in the world because there's so many people mm -hmm. releasing music and touring and playing festivals and trying to get your attention and, and who are all creative people literally looking at the murder board on the wall, trying to figure out how to connect the dots and do this in the most interesting way possible. It's like, you know, all good artists are doing that as well. So well, they have a big team. Sure, they have teams team. or whatever. But I think a lot of artists, or the, at least the best ones, are, you know, thinking about these things themselves as well. And a lot of the creativity, you know, comes from them. Um, so if you're like, holy shit, how do I, how do I succeed in this game? And, and how do I, how do I capture people's attention? Um, it's never been more challenging. So I think that, you know, you could get very frustrated by that, or you could look at it as, hey, this is a challenge and we just, we have to do thing and do things in a way that's super interesting and new and entertaining and makes you feel like you want to come along for this journey and tell your friends about it. And, you know, I, thinking about it as a challenge, I think is, uh, it will be fun. Uh, also, uh, looking at this, as there's a, a huge amount of luck involved in in these things. I think it's true. I don't necessarily think Post Malone is the best musician of all time. It's just like he <laughs> was at the right place at the right time. Things worked for him, whatever. Uh, and so many other artists are there. Are so many fantastic singers, songwriters around there that have 200 month listeners, or yeah. because they don't have time to, you know, uh, or resources, or didn't have the luck. That was like, um, uh -huh. Michelle said, even like our support band, this tour, I love you, honey bunny. She's like, if you would have told me after the first show that they were like this super popular band in Europe and, you know, X, Y, or Z, like I would have believed you 100%. Yeah. Like they're a good band. They got good songs. They're, they have a great singer. He sounds a little bit like Alex Turner. Um, they're really nice guys. It's like, you know, you could easily believe that they could be ex an extremely yeah. successful band and, you know. But they're they're a young band who's who's doing their best to kind of get themselves out there, and you know they're just one of thousands. Yeah, go stream them; they're great, by the way. Yeah, and they got an album coming out. So, so you're saying the next? What do you think? A year for Rare Americans is we're back in the brainstorming, releasing music for sure. I would say a good solid year of just releasing, you know, at a relentless, you know, rate. Um, uh, at least that's been my thought and I think a lot of these things it's like there's no in the music industry there's no really like how-to guide of like how to succeed how to get a hit how to grow it's like no one has that blueprint I think every major label is literally sitting around an office trying to figure that out themselves like post it on TikTok and post this clip 400,000 times until we get one that goes viral. If it doesn't, okay, we're switching to the next TikTok clip in the song. Mm -hmm. And until we get a reaction, that's when we'll put something out. It's like, they're all trying to figure this out just the same as we are. Um, so for me, my thought process for this year is, um, you know, try to take more of a consistency type of, of, of approach, not bank on you know, one song and, and milking that for four months. It's like, let's just put something out every single week. Let's try to grow our channel. Let's try to keep people engaged that every week they're looking forward to uh, what we have coming next and that we don't go massive gaps without kind of putting something else out. And hopefully through that process, you know, people will be engaged with our channel and that will, you know, help them share it with their friends. That'll help the algorithms of the world be like oh people are really interacting with these chat this channel we should show it to more people like this um and i'm hoping through that process we'll just see a, a steady rise in in our in our listenership and then of course the icing on the cake is if you know you get something that reacts i mean that's amazing and i think Django kind of nailed it there's there's a real element of luck to that something has to happen right time right moment right person reposts it the right you know, whatever goes viral, you know, just virality is just res somehow something yeah. resonates. And because I think there'll, there are a lot of people who didn't hear or didn't know our music and they're like, wow, this music is really cool. I didn't hear about it. And there's probably so many bands like us that people didn't hear their music and they would have listened or, you know, it's just, uh, it's also, also the industry is not the, the nicest, the greatest industry <laughs> of all time. So, well, you, you also have to write 
we have to put ourselves in the position of being lucky, right? You can't yeah, be yeah, lucky. Yeah, you, you, you have nothing. The which is which is what I think we're yeah, going to be yeah. doing this year. That's why you know my thought on this consistently releasing things. It's like you're just getting more turns at bat. Like you're putting more more shots to hit a home run. Like you're literally just getting more swings than the average group does, who's only putting out three, four, five songs a year or something like that. If if we put out 30 songs or something, it's like, okay, we just have more, more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's like, if you look at it, like also from like, you know, we're, we're an independent band, you have to make money in order to do these things. So, you know, the more, the more songs that you have out into the world, it's just more things that people can listen to. It's like literally more kind of assets in the game that are going to start making money for you. It's like, why would you keep those in your iTunes library? It's so much more advantageous to put those out into the world. As long as you feel like your quality level is not dropping. And I certainly don't feel that way. I think that our quality level over this year is going to actually increase. Yeah. We got some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, uh, I realized yesterday that I recorded, I joined the band at a second album and recorded six albums with this band. That's pretty damn cool. Pretty. How many have we released? Four and an EP. Three and an EP. Four. I'm. Yeah. Talking about you, the band as a whole, not just you. Oh, okay. Yeah, one, two, three, four, and an EP, and we have three more. So yeah, so 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 I recorded six and a half. (laughs) Six point five. Yeah, which is pretty pretty damn pretty uh, in four years or four and a half years that I've been uh, around. It's. And the other thing cool, that's like, cool is once you're, you know, we're back home and we're not touring for a year or whatever, it's like we have to replenish um, the song folder because I feel like, you know, we went through the whole, you know, pandemic and, and things like that where we had 50, 60 songs sitting in folders of, you know, demos or whatever that were good songs to be recorded. And now we've we've really used a lot of those. So, you know, now over the course of the next year, we're going to have to really replenish that bank um, and and write a lot more uh, great songs, so I think that's going to be a fun challenge. There's new songs, new experiences. We can uh, plenty of new material. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's a, a good place to uh, to leave things. So if if you are a Rare Americans fan, I think that this is going to uh, be just the start of a really exciting journey, and it's a really good time to be uh, to be invested in in all things Rare Americans. Mm-hmm. Thanks to all the. European fans, yeah, uh, you guys have been awesome, and been also great. everybody, join our fan club because the fan club is really cool. That's another thing I'm really looking forward to um, spending a lot of time working on and, and writing articles for and making a lot of content for. Um, and I think we're going to do a lot of fun things with it this year. So it's yeah. a great way to support the band if you want to. It's only five bucks a month. It's really easy to sign up. Um, and yeah, we really appreciate everybody's yeah, I'll support. Be, I'll be putting out these podcasts ahead of time on the fan club. So if great. you're there, you get early, early access. Cool. All right. Have a good day, everybody. Yeah. See you guys. Good day. Bye-bye. You're listening to our free podcast, The Screw Loose Juice. But this is just a taste. If you want the all-access pass to Rare Americans, then sign up for our fan club. For just $5 a month, you'll get never-seen-before music videos, guitar tutorials, articles written by the band, never-heard-before song demos, and hey, maybe even a little life advice that we've picked up along the way. Your 5 bucks goes a long way in helping us make more music and videos to further reach people just like you all around the world. The link to sign up is on our website, rareamericans.com, and on our Instagram page, at rareamericans. Thanks so much for your support.